You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 31 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by our social media manager, Mr. James Healy. Hello, James. How are you? Good afternoon, Ian. Very well. How about yourself? Well, I'm booked into the barbers next week. Well, I couldn't um, get in. Well, you see, I've got a nice little app on my phone, which I believe is called Nearcut. And uh, enable Well, there you are. It enables you to... I, I, I use the same barbers, um, but they, they, they use this app, this app, and so I'm able to... To, I was able to get myself in because I'm, I'm Mrs. Knockholds has done a bit of DIY on the old hair, but um, I'm definitely in need of a trim. Let's put it like that. But um, how are you doing on that front? Um, well, as you can see, we're on Skype at the moment. Um, looking a bit rough and rugged, I would say. You are. Um, got a full on beard and my hair is combed over to one side. If I put it up like that, I look a bit like Marv from... Home Alone still. Well, you see, so... I don't think that you do look like Marv from Home Alone. No? I, think, I think you look like the chap from um, from The Hangover. Desperate Dan, my wife says. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a very... I'm getting a... Uh, this reminds me of that commentary that I did for you when Yeovil played Latvia. <laughs> oh, I, God, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't pronounce any of the Latvian team at all. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting very... I'm getting a, a Zach Galifiankis vibe from you at the moment but you may you know you may want to take this in a different direction it's not a bad shout i suppose i mean he's probably got the same uh intellect as because he plays alan in the in the hangover so a lot of my mates would probably say yeah you are a bit like him uh a lot of my mates say i look like john parkin but i think that's more of my belly and size of me to be honest mm. well let's not go down that road um on this week's podcast we have got interviews with uh, Jeff Roberts, the manager of Chipping Sudbury Town. And uh, we've also got an interview with uh, Simon Wilkinson, the chairman of Radstock Town. Um, we have James's uh, week on Twitter, which I think will include a special on April Fool's gags. And uh, we also preview some FA Vars football. Imagine that, listeners. We've actually got some proper football to preview on this week's all Station Western League podcast, but we'll be um, we'll start off with that interview with Jeff Roberts, the manager of Chipping Sobbery Town. We haven't had anybody on from Chipping Sobbery for a while. We've never spoken to Jeff before, so it's been great to uh, to catch up with him. And obviously, they're bottom of the table in the final were when the season was curtailed. So I know it's been a difficult season for them on the pitch. I asked Jeff what his assessment was. We didn't have the luck of, obviously, the game's been uh, from the start, obviously, with Plymouth. I think we played Plymouth, Tavistock. So we played a lot of the top sides to start with, which didn't really help us out, to be honest, especially trying to build a side from scratch. Um, as I said, we, we've had no budget at the club, so we just try to get a young side. And the difference, obviously, coming down from the Southern League, it, it's the, the tool stations are very 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 strong league you've got a lot of direct sides in there so I think we struggled a little bit on that but um, I think we would have got there in the end you know what I mean if, if we'd have continued yeah I mean you could see we were, we were improving game by game but we had sort of like an influx of players coming in and out and, and that that was going to be the case this season because it was just sort of like trying to rebuild the club really from from the season before. Did the coronavirus sort of present a perfect storm for you, really? Because obviously you had this disruption, you know, in terms of bringing players in and, you know, having a young side against some very well-established opposition. But also you had all of the, you know, the coronavirus restrictions 
um, to contend with as well. I mean, can you remember a season in football like it? No, I can't, to be honest. Um, obviously, yeah, over the winter periods, you get games called off frozen pitches and possibly you, you'll lose two or three weeks. But uh, yeah, it's, I think I think for every club, I think, I think it's been a, been a nightmare, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, it didn't possibly out with, you know, I mean, there was a point where I think Bristol were in a different tier to obviously coming from Swindon uh, to Swindon. So we couldn't even travel down to Bristol to even play um, any, any game. So they had to call our games off through that anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think for, for most clubs, it's been a nightmare. But, well, I would say that the last two seasons really were the nineteen twenty season was voided. And I think a lot of clubs played 30-odd games and obviously they didn't put any promotional relegation in there. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be obviously nice to get back, obviously get back to a bit of normality, and um, uh, it'd be nice, obviously, see, to uh, assume to see what kind of league we're playing in as well. Well, we'll talk a little bit about the football, um, hopefully uh, later on. But I mean, you, you know, you sort of touched upon the difficult situation that the club's been placed in over the last two seasons. I mean, everybody in the Western League will be aware of you know the FA's attempts to move. Chipping Sudbury out into the Hellenic League and, and indeed your ability to have successfully appealed um, that decision. But I mean, do you think that this season, is there has there been a hangover from that? Is there still that sort of, you know, hanging over the club? Um, no, I don't think so. I think the club realised now, obviously, looking at what we're trying to do with the, with the young side, the, possibly the Hellenic has suit us a lot more. You know what I mean? You hear a lot of rumours that some Cornwall clubs are coming into the Tool Station League now, so possibly the travelling, obviously, to go more towards sort of like Oxford, and that way would be less for the football club and less financial burden on it, really. Talking about the football then this season, I mean, you played 14 games, but I mean, you did that in an incredibly short period of time, albeit you you did you did manage <laughs> to, to fulfil a, a you know two fixtures over Christmas. I mean, do you, did you ever at any point think, is this really worth the effort? Because I mean, uh, you know, I suppose the, the real question is, what what were you playing for? I always, when, when we took the job, we, we, I always knew it was going to be a difficult job, especially with no budget. Um, and I think sometimes you've got to test yourself whether you've got a budget or not. Um, we knew our philosophy. We knew we were going to try and go young um, and try and bring some young players in. Um, but it's easier to walk away, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I was always going to give it whatever happened. I was always going to give it this season, then sit down with the club to see what their plans were. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was a difficult season and sometimes that that possibly does come in your head, but you, you've got to switch off once you, the players can start seeing you're down. Obviously, they go down. You know I mean, obviously playing 14 and obviously not winning any games at all doesn't help, but you could, I could see the progression going through. So there, there was positives towards the end of it. So how are you feeling about next season then? I mean, you've mentioned, obviously, you know, your sort of concerns about possible sort of lateral movement but I mean really are you just focused on getting back playing next season wherever it is we are yeah I mean as, as I said earlier the, the club have uh, obviously they, they realise that to play at this level you, you yeah I mean if you're not going to pay or have a budget you're going to struggle possibly and that's where they've been over the last so many seasons so um, they've backed us this, this obviously for the 21-22 season so we've got we've got a reasonable budget to possibly sort of like compete a little bit now which is good um we've already had a chat with sort of like four or five players now 
which potentially, I mean, it's a long way before you can sign them. Uh, players say they're going to come. And I've been in that situation before where somebody had come back in and offered £25 more and, and they're gone again. So, yeah, yeah. And we, we've got we've got certain targets. We, we said we want to try and bring sort of like seven new players in, uh, a good quality players of Southern League standard. So, yeah, I mean, that would give us a more of a fight in the Atlantic. Um, as I said, the tall stations are very, a very strong league with some very big clubs in. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I think we'll be more ad- adapted to um, to compete a little bit more this season. So you've mentioned the challenges then, um, the sort of footballing challenges. But I mean, you know, the, the virus is still with us, um, albeit hopefully, you know, on the back foot and we, we're going to come out of this. But I mean, do you think that having had now two seasons that haven't been completed, what lessons do you think that the Football Association needs to learn as we head into uh, the, uh, the next season? Yeah, I just, uh, I think the issue is at the moment that nobody knows what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it took a long time to sort of like, make make decisions do you know what i mean it's um it, it's whether we were going to start again whether it's stopping and obviously then on even on the tool stations like they they obviously said it about clubs whether they wanted to play again or or not so i think somebody down or down the line needed to make a decision for this level of football and it's not even now it's not even come 100 percent. so um i just think the fa as much as they're a big organization it's grassroots possibly was affected very strongly with with COVID without any really positive um, answers really from for, for all the clubs that is not just us for most clubs yeah you know I mean you know, I was speaking to um, Trevor Rawlins at Carn Town and literally there were even in I think the nineteen twenty season they were literally top um, played thirty odd games in Division One. And obviously they they avoided that league, and obviously they've started again. They're top again, and literally after sort of like 12, 13 games they've played, they've been top again. So literally, he's had two seasons potentially where he's been top and could be staying where they are. So I, I think areas like that need to be um, looked at. Yeah, I mean there is talk of obviously the Southern League having another division in. So the potential you could take some of the top sides out of the Western, or the Atlantic, and what I believe to to, to have that other division, um, which might give the opportunity for clubs who have been in and around the Division 1 who potentially want to come up. So it's decisions like that need to be made and they, they need to be a bit more straight with the clubs, I think. So at Chipping Sodbury, I know you run six teams. Um, one of them's a, a women's team, but you've got five uh, men's teams, sort of various age groups as well. Um, I mean, within your club, is there... You mentioned the importance of playing young players, but is is that very much the ethos? Are you looking to bring um, players through the age groups and and sort of bring them into the into the first team? Yeah, as, as I said, we're looking at young players, but obviously there's a limit of what what we can do. Yeah, I mean, is looking at players that we know potentially have got that ability to step up and, and compete within in, in time. And it's not just about chucking them in; it's about trying to feed them gradually so they can get used to it, as well as with what we're trying to do this year is bring the experienced players in with them so it gives them that bit of experience to play around with grassroots football returning then on March the 29th i mean have there have, you know have you have you seen any sort of um, activity at the club have you been able to to get back out on the training pitch or perhaps watch some of the younger sides playing no they they've just started so um i think there's a game there's a game at the club tonight um so I haven't been there yet, but I'm potentially, hopefully, yeah. I mean, we we're going back training next Wednesday. Um, 
well, I know we've got a friendly next Saturday against Thornbury, so but it's it's still a, a massive impact on clubs. Obviously, with it, you can't have spectators in, you can't have the bar open, so there, there's still that burden where obviously you've got to pay for officials and stuff. So that's just something where we have to be patient with, and eventually, when COVID obviously sorts itself out, um, clubs can start sort of like benefiting from from that as well. Well, let's hope so. Now, one question, um, one final question that I need to ask you, Jeff, is this obviously this is obviously the first time that that we've spoken on the podcast. So can you tell us, uh, particularly for those listeners who aren't familiar with you and your background, what's been your footballing journey to the Chipping Sobbery dugout? (laughs) Um, I started my manager manager career at Calm Town. Um, Yeah, uh, that's quite a few seasons ago now. I was there for literally three years. We won the Wiltshire Cup there, and I think we come third, third in the league. Uh, I left there, literally took a little bit of time out, um, and then went to Wooden Bassett for a season. Things didn't really pan out there. Um, then I went to Caution Town for for a season after Bassett, and then literally I was in obviously my first season at Caution, and then I think about January, Highworth approached me. So I, I, I spoke to Caution at the time. They were happy for me to talk. So I had a chat with the chairman at Highworth and then spent nearly three seasons at um, Highworth. Obviously got promoted in the second season into the Southern League. Um, we reached sort of like two cup cup finals. Uh, we played Chippenham in one and Supermarine in the other one. So, yeah, I mean, over the three years at, at Highworth, we, we've done OK. Um, obviously, Southern League, it was something new for the club. Um, we had to have a discussion about that. The, the club didn't really want to push forward. Um, and I just thought it was a time in my life where I potentially thought the club were good enough to push forward. However, I've always sort of like over the years been pushing in that top half of the table. Um, and it was just sitting down with the chairman and, and a few of the committee and just saying, look, at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, we tried it, that we can go back down again. And yeah, I mean, we've done well. I think we've come. I think we come eighth, eighth or ninth in our first season. So spent sorry, the following second year of the Southern League and then I, I resigned in um, after the Boxing Day game. And my thanks to Jeff for his time. Now, we move on to our normal feature, our weekly feature, James Healy's Week on Twitter. And this, this week, James, we've been helped no end by April Fool's Day. Yeah, there was, there was a lot going on, actually, which is quite nice because the last couple of weeks I said, oh, it's been really quiet. Um, so it was good that we had April Fools thrown in. I picked out a few that uh, that caught my eye. Um, the first one, which I thought was quite funny, was Radstock for their ground up for sale, and someone photoshopped their ground on Right Move, and the land they said was up for sale for two point five million. Bargain, really. Think of the houses you could build on there. You'd you'd make loads of money from that. Um, but then obviously they put out saying it was an April Fools, and despite people have an interest from people. It'd be interesting to see if anyone did put anything in. But yeah, that, that tickled me because the year before I fell for that one with the um, putting the dome over their pitch. So um, this one I was more aware of. Well, they've got a long and illustrious history of pulling some really good quality April Fool's gags out of the yeah, uh, yeah out of the locker. And I think that was that was certainly up there because I can tell you, having been in touch with some of the local media sources down there, that at least two of them fell for it. Brilliant. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm not the only one then. So yeah, no, so Radstock are all as you say, a good bit of fun for their ones and uh, 
yeah, fair play, 2.5 million bargain. If I won the lottery, I'd bought that, build houses on it. Uh, Hengrove uh, put one up uh, about uh, we're merging with near rivals uh, to become Henphones Athletic. Uh, <laughs> when I, and I was reading through it, and again, I was like, no, that can't be true, can it? Surely not. And then at the end, it was they had a quote from Joe King and Mr. P. Rankster. So that's when I knew Martin. <laughs> I knew Martin that had been involved in that one. That's his, that's his style. That knowing him for a few years, he uh, he loves a gag, does our Martin. So uh, that would have been right up his street. He would have loved writing that, I'm sure. Another one was Clevedon was a good one, where they said that they had a, a rare bat living in the eaves of their stand. Uh, so they had to put their We'll have to postpone all games, all home games until 2022 because of this bat. So they had to leave it there alone because it was so endangered. Um, so I thought that was quite funny as well, actually. Yes, that was a good one. Yeah, off the cuff. So it was, it was another good one. So they're the ones I picked out, but there was some real good ones. But away from April Fools, we've had a few tweets. Uh, Westbury have completed their their stand, the uh, the Roy Dutchman stand, they've called it. I don't know if you saw that. That was. Um, it was a nice tweet, and it also, I think it, it was a foreign news source with thousands of followers tweeted it, in there, which is nice. It's getting, you know, got some nice coverage that, um, which is good to see. Yeah, and uh, very good to see that you know this is one of the other benefits, isn't it, of social media at our level? That actually it, does, it shouldn't surprise surprise us just how many other foreign football fans, not just sort of media sources, but you know are interested in our non-league game. We've had a few examples, haven't we? Um, with um, the Argentinian fan, was that with the uh, with the Wing Canton? Um, uh, with Sherborne. Sherborne, yeah. that was Sherborne, it. Yeah, because he was uh, he managed them in Football Manager, and then follows them every week now. And they sent over shirt and whatever to him over in Argentina. But yeah, it's good to see that you saw the tweet come through. I think you sent it through to me actually. And it's just say it's nice to see that people are generally interested in lower league football, and I think. Speak myself really. I'm a bit bored of the Premier League stuff now. It's the, I just want to get on out and watch some local football, as I call it, and real football, really, rather than these lot that are all on the telly. But <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed, we can do soon. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other bits on the, on Twitter as well. We've um, uh, Bradford are looking for volunteers this weekend. They've put a tweet out today just saying that if anyone's around, they would like some help. It doesn't say what they're doing. Mine, so <laughs> but they're after some uh, they're after some volunteers for this weekend and also really randomly three clubs have tweeted all today all after goalkeeper coaches so you've got Westbury are after a first team goalkeeper coach Cribs are after a first team goalkeeper coach and so have Portis Head so uh, if you're any good in goalie maybe we'd get you uh, coaching down there one of those three do you fancy that? I, I think, heaven forbid, nobody should have to suffer my goalkeeper coaching, although it's probably the one p- position on the pitch that my failing frame might be able to maintain for 90 minutes without being taken off. But, I mean, God only knows what the score would be. Anyway, let's not go down that road. I would fill it, I think. I could fill the goal, so you'd do well to get it past me if I was to fill it. <laughs> and uh, finally, well, there's a couple more, actually. It's good, nice to see like the pictures of teams back training and playing a few friendly games and seeing pictures and tweets of people out enjoying it, obviously socially distanced while they are training. You can see that with the pictures that people have put up. So, yeah, it's nice to actually see some some action photos and tweets coming through from, from teams and keeping everyone up to date that they're back in training and, and things like that. So it's, it's um, 
yeah, it's decent. And also one other one was the uh, bit about Stu Jones leaving uh, Ashton and Backwell. I got a few uh, free retweets and people interacting with that as well. So, yeah, it's been a busy week. Yeah, Stu is um he's been a great supporter of the podcast and um you know um I wish him I wish him well and I'm I'm, I'm sure everybody at Ashton and Backwell does as well because I think he did a fantastic job there and he's he's promised me that he will come on again. Um so we'll get some of his anecdotes about his professional career um which um I've seen I've, I've seen covered in the press and, and and certainly make for some very entertaining reading. So I'm sure this isn't the last we've heard of Stuart Jones. If you're thinking, Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. But this is the first we've heard from Simon Wilkinson. He, uh, he he is the chairman, of course, of Radstock Town, the Miners. And uh, although he's a man who's mentioned on many occasions on the podcast, uh, we've never actually spoken to the man himself. But um, I thought this was the time, this was the perfect time um, to have an opportunity to talk to Simon, not just um, about what's going on at Radstock, but also the times that we're living in, what it's like to be the chairman of a, of a Step 6 um, National League system club that also operates grassroots uh, sides as well. But before we got into that, I asked Simon to tell us about the work that I know he's been doing, him and his players and volunteers have been doing at the club over lockdown. Um, right, to start with, Skittle uh, Alley has been totally gutted and uh, refurbished. Still not quite finished. There's a little bit of snagging to do still, you know, skirting boards, pelmets, that type of thing. Um, and he still needs going up. But um, I spent a lot of money on steels to have the roof supported. I think it's that strong. You could probably build another two levels on top if you wanted to. A lot of money spent on that. So it's all been totally redecorated out. New plasterboard, plastered, ceiling plastered, new window put in, new floor. So, yeah, guys, the guys have worked their socks off, for want of a better word. And it's the players, isn't it, who've been who've been um, helping you out? Some players, some players, yeah. A couple of first-teamers, uh, James Rostel, su- uh, supplied the flooring. At cost and fitted it for nothing. Uh, the likes of Nath, Nath Townsley, Charlie Cook from the reserves have done the majority of the plastering. Rich Rupritch, spread it and lay it is what they're called. And uh, he's done a lot of the plastering as well. Um, decorating, new floor in the bar, um, all sorts of things. And if you walk into the place 12 months ago and then walk into it now, you wouldn't recognise it as such. It's just totally different. New audio system, new TV and video system. Yeah, spot on. Really, really pleased with what the guys have done. And the work's not just been going on inside the clubhouse, is it? At a time when we're all very much focused on reopening outside hospitality, I know that's something you've been working on as well. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a patio area outside the back of the Skittle Alley, which is nearing completion. Uh, I believe there's some... Uh, there's some benches being delivered tomorrow, heavy-duty uh, picnic benches, six, I think. There's a fence that goes around the edge of the patio to stop um, all the drunkards falling off the edge and ending up in a heap on the grass. Um, that's going to... All the wood's on its way for that, so that's going to be constructed. Uh, but the beauty of it is a south-facing wall, and it just looks all the way over the Waterside Valley. It's fantastic. 
Now, of course, we normally talk about obviously your first team, your Western League side, when we when we mm. talk about Radstock on the podcast. But I just wanted to give the listeners um, a feel for what other teams have you got up, operating underneath your first team? Uh, right, we have um, Radstock Town Reserves, at, uh, and they play in the Somerset County League Division Two. We have uh, Ian Lannings under 18s that play in the Wiltshire Premier under 18s division. And we also have a veteran side. I think they play in the Somerset Legends League and, that's, and they play on a Sunday morning. So we did have, we did have a team playing in the, uh, in the, in the mid-Somerset, but that, that, uh, that sort of moved lock, stock and barrel to Hayden about a year and a half, two years ago. So one of the reasons I wanted to ask you about this is because um, the FA recently launched their grassroots strategy. And I think it's interesting for us to look at that from a Western League perspective, because in terms of your first team, of course, you're playing at step six. And we know that that's part of the National League system. But, you know, you've still got plenty of people playing um, at the club, at, you know, and in the age groups that are a priority for um, uh, for the FA, like the under 18s, like the veterans. Um, you've still got a lot of other sides that are playing. Um, in what the FA would term as grassroots football? Yes, we do. Um, yeah, we've got, the, like I said, the Baz's uh, reserves, they play in, uh, in, 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 the, in the county league. And it, it takes, I mean, it's just not a matter of turning players out to play. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, Baz and, and Russ Beveridge, the amount of work they have to do to get that side out. Also, you've, you've got Rich um, Sobers, He's uh, more to do with the first team now, to be totally honest, but he's had a lot to do with all, all sides in, uh, at the club for quite a number of years now. And the people that work behind the scenes, just to get a team out, let alone three or four, it's unbelievable. And there's, there's so many things you have to think about. And it's just hard work at times. So, I mean, as the chairman of the club, do you regard yourselves as a National League system club or are you a grassroots football club? I would regard ourselves as between the two. I mean, I have an idea of what I believe to be grassroots football and not wanting to be too controversial. More leaning towards grassroots and National League, yes. So, I mean, do you think then that we, we look at some of the challenges that the FA want to address and they're talking about retaining male players. And I mean, given what you said about your, your A team, that seems, you know, that's something that you can relate to. And they want mm -hmm. to increase uh, access um, for, 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 for girls and women's um, football. Um, and they also talk about the quality of um, facilities and pitches in particular, and talking about um, volunteers as well. So, I mean, all of those things, I guess, are, are things that, that we can relate to and we can agree with. But I mean, in, you know, in, in the reality, the practical reality for a football club is, you know, where, where do you see the big challenges lie? What are your big problems? Oh, there's, there's problems everywhere, isn't it? I mean, to start with um, keeping a decent surface for all teams to play on, changing rooms, changing facilities, they have to be top-notch or clean and, and safe to use, especially with what's going on with COVID at the moment. Player recruitment, I mean, uh, players get older, don't they? So as the years go on, you have to have people coming in behind So. Yeah, we've got the under-18s that can supply um, certain players, not all, because what you've got to remember is they're very young, and some, some of our under-18s operate at the age of 15. So, I mean, I, I don't think, the, I'm not sure what the cut-off date is, but you have to be 15 to play under-18s football. You can't play any earlier than that. So, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is just keeping a steady flow of players going through a club so that you can actually, you can actually fill... Three, four, five, six sides. Some clubs have some 
maybe more than that. And that's a question of sort of not necessarily what you know, but who you know, isn't it? It's about having the right people in running your teams of people who've got good connections and a good reputation in the community. You have to rely on your managers to know what they're doing. Yeah, they they, they have to know. I mean, Rich has been, uh, Rich Barron has been around the club for oh, many, many, many years. He knows lots and lots of people. So, And people come to him. You know, players come to him, young players. I, I want to step up from uh, the under-18s. Is there any chance I can have a game with a reserves? Well, yeah, you see him half decent, come along. We'll give you a chance. And it's been proven um, through the first team as well, to be honest. You know, some of the under-18s that have come up through and are now some of our better players, you know, like young, young Morgan Skip, he's probably, I'm not sure how old he is now, but I think he's got to be 20, 21. Rico Sovers, mm. um, you know, the likes of that, they've all come up, all come up through the uh, through the system from under 18s. I mean, Jack Scrivens, a goalkeeper, decent keeper. Yeah, there's, there's ever so many of them, you know, without, without naming everybody, it could go on forever. I hope I haven't upset anybody by not mentioning them. <laughs> well, let's talk about, obviously, if, if you know, we're going to watch a game of football, you need footballers to be turning out. And I, I get that that's important. But also you need people behind the scenes on a match day, whether it's a match day for your first team or a match day for your reserves or the under-18s. You need people there making sure that the pitch is maintained, that the kit's out. I mean, I've seen mm. you up at, at Southfields. You've taken my money at the gate. and You've served me a drink behind the bar and you're the club chairman. So, I mean, you must be <laughs> acutely aware of uh, of how important volunteers are and actually how difficult they are to find. Uh, yeah, well, we're quite lucky at the moment, I suppose, with uh, Astrobrand stock. Uh, the only thing where we do suffer is, uh, is your manpower is split on a Saturday when you have two or three games on at the same time because you, you probably find in most clubs that all your volunteers in running the club are involved with uh, other teams further down further down the pecking order or maybe, maybe not quite right where it's the same in pecking order, but like uh, Baz and, and, and Russ and, and those who run the reserves, they can't normally be about at the same time as uh, a first team's playing because they have to take their reserves off and do all the bits and pieces that they need to do for the reserves. So that leaves less manpower uh, at a home game. Um, we're lucky enough, we, we've got uh, Mike Jenkins, who, who hopefully as a rule does the gate, but I tend to go over and help him as well. We don't suffer so much now with bar staff. We've got some loyal bar staff who uh, who run the bar for us, so I tend to find myself on the correct side of the bar nowadays. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. I have done in the past, taken money on the gate, served behind the bar, collected um, up all the kit, and which I still do now, prepared a pitch, mark the pitch, cut the pitch, and basically look after the pitch. All sorts of different things like that. We have a, so there's just generally too many of us about on a home match day unless there's nothing else on. But you, your situation isn't exactly unique um, to the Western League, is it? I think particularly in the first division, you know, we, we you know, there's it will it will be a small group of volunteers mm. who will be running a match day, having multiple jobs, like you've said, and and also the other clubs that you know have a situation where they have uh, an under 18 side, a reserve side and a first team, there'll be an idea of progression between those sides yeah. for them. So, so the, the, the sort of the, 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 the administrative uh, niceties of, of how we refer to National League football and grassroots football and step six and step seven, wh whilst they work at a sort of an administrative level, the reality is that volunteers like you across the length and breadth of the Western League are juggling multiple balls and, you, you know, all facing the same challenges. Absolutely. I mean, it's not just the Western League, it's across the whole country, isn't it? 
with the possibly the rare exceptions of clubs who um, who uh, maybe don't have that issue. They've got maybe more volunteers, but I think you'll find in general they're all roughly run roughly the same way as what we are when you've got multiple teams. Um, obviously, your resources are stretched on a match day, especially if there's more than one game going on. How old is Radstock Town Football Club? 1895. So you'd be celebrating... 125 years last you're, year. You're celebrating yeah, 125 years in a year that didn't happen. So maybe that makes you 124. <laughs> but the, 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 serious, the serious point is that actually you're the custodians of a club that's been going over 125 years so yeah. actually that that didn't happen by accident you know that, that we, we should never take these clubs for granted should we no absolutely not i mean i'm not i'm not going to be the first chairman about all these issues since 1895 i should imagine it's been the same oh, what are we going to do saturday so and so's doing this or so and so's not here so and so's doing this so, uh, yeah, but you, like I said just now, you just have to get on and do it and, and you make deal with what the resources are that you have. There's nothing else you can do so, unless you get more volunteers in. And, and have you I found... Could do, a, I could do with a kit man if anybody's interested. Have you found a sort of magic bullet for, for, um, for developing new volunteers? Point of Niagara every now and again <laughs> might help, I suppose. But no, not really. Every now and again, you'll get somebody come along saying, hey, listen, I want to help out. What can I do? And that's absolutely fantastic. But I really, really, really need a kit, man. There's the come and get me plea. Now, um, <laughs> grassroots football came back on March the 29th. Um, so, I mean, have you had, have you been able to have any any training or any any um, any football up at Southfields? Yeah, Ryan's had the first teammate training twice now. He was out last night. Baz has had the reserves uh, last Saturday. They trained, I believe, they're training again this Saturday. Ian Lanning's under-18s have also trained a couple of times and had a friendly. Um, I believe the reserves, when do they start? The, the Somerset County League are running a, a cup competition. as like a subsidiary cup competition just to see the season free. Because as you know, all the leagues have been curtailed, apart from the under-18s who are resuming where they left off. So um, I think football starts in earnest again within the next week. There was, the first team we've got a friendly on the 17th of April, uh, other things in the pipeline, which uh, no doubt you'll get to hear about sooner rather than later. I mean, when we when we look at the guidance that you've received so far from the uh, from the FA, I mean, how, you know, how, how, how do you feel as the chairman, I suppose, who's ultimately responsible? How do you feel about sort of getting football back underway at the moment? Uh, you definitely need supporters in to make it viable. I can have them around the back of the club drinking on the patio, but I can't have them around the front of the club drinking or is a game of football going on doesn't make sense to me also i fail to see how you are allowed you can allow people to go into a shop and fight over the melons and the potatoes and push each other here there and everywhere and i want that piece of chicken no i'm having that blah blah so on and so forth yet you can't let people stand around a football pitch two yards between them watching a the football it just doesn't make sense so looking ahead then to um, to the new season, I mean, it feels like it's going to be a long way away, you know, without football until, you know, July's friendlies, I'm assuming. Um, but um, I mean, I guess it will come around quite quickly. So, I mean, what do you, what do you, you know, had, what are your feelings about the prospect of the new season starting? I've been looking forward to it since January. 
just you, you knew, didn't you? Really, as soon as it all stopped at the end of December, nothing else was going to happen. And in my opinion, um, the government, the DCMS, and the FA just delayed everything and delayed everything and delayed everything when everybody in the world knew what was going to happen. So why not just come out straight away and say, look, we're not starting football because we're not coming out of lockdown until then. Just curtail it now and get on with what you need to do and we'll start again next season. And I have my ideas of how it should have restarted and what we should have done, as, I know, as I've obviously spoken to you about, but, uh, which I think were quite sensible. I don't, unfortunately, I, I, I fear that the people that run the game... Well, I mean, that's an important point to make, isn't it? Because, you know, we... We all hope we're out the woods. We all hope we are. But the reality, if this, if the last 12 months has taught us anything, is you can't take anything for granted. So, I mean, is there anything that you would like to see the FA put in place, bearing in mind the responsibilities that you will have to get games on? I mean, you got, a, you know, 10 games on before and it accounted for nothing at the end of the day. Mm. So if we're going to go down this road again, if we're going to go out of our way to make sacrifices and to put measures in place, what, what do you... You know what's the what's the quid pro quo? What do you want to um, see the FA put in place to make sure that we don't suffer this again? I would like to see when we start the next season, if it has to stop for whatever reason, and then maybe say three months. Say it stops for three months, which it has just done. Pick up where you left off, carry on. Stop when it gets to the summer. If that's how close you are to the summer. Restart again the next season, finish that season off, and then you're all ready to reload, hopefully all nice and fresh and ready to go again for the following season. So, yeah, you're going to have breaks in football. I mean, we've all been shouting about a winter break for God knows how long anyway. Like I was saying just now, yeah, we only played 10 games in this season. But I think what we should have done, as I've, as I've said to you before, is restarted the season with the games that you were supposed to have played from that date, stopped, and then then reconvened the following August with maybe 28 games rather than 38 games to play. And then, okay, that's one league finished, but it's taken a season and a half, nearly two seasons to complete. But you're not any further back and you're not any further forward and you're just where you should be. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it makes perfect sense to me. I think I think the one, th the one criticism of the handling of this, of the pandemic, has been that actually, you know, over two seasons now, we haven't been able to finish a thing. No. And, uh, and, and you know, I think looking back on it, that would be the one thing that would be nice um, to have done because it does feel like at the moment the virus is 2-0 up. Um, <laughs> but um, we, we just hope that actually we've, you know, we are out the woods and, and we're not having this conversation this time next season. Where, when we are this time next season, where do you want to see Radstock Town in the league? Do you, I mean, you, you went very well in the first season that was curtailed. Uh, you, you started re showing real signs of promise um, uh, before, the, before the, 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 the latest lockdown. So, I mean, are you still targeting a top four finish? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got every confidence in the management team of Tom and, and uh, Ryan at the moment, I think uh, they know what they want. The players know what is expected of them. Uh, I think they know what I expect of them. And, uh, yeah, I can't fault them at the moment. They seem to be doing well. I mean, the last three games conceded, conceded and scored 10, of which three was against Welton, which was very pleasing on Boxing Day. And then that was it. All stopped. I mean, if you do go up, the first, the Premier Division of the Western League is probably a bit different to the one that you left. Um, It'd be easy. 
it won't be easy regardless. I mean, you're looking at the possibilities of sideways movement, lateral movement, whatever you want to call it. There could be some long trips in hand. But if you do get, uh, you know, if that is the challenge, then it sounds like both on and off the field, the club are up for it. Oh, we are definitely up for it. I mean, if we go up, we go up. Um, and yeah, we've got to be, haven't you? That's, that's what we're in it for. The, the management and the players certainly will want to do that. So uh, why should I be any different to them? And my thanks to Simon for his time. Now then, Hold on to your seat now, James, because we've actually got some football to talk about. We are we we have one of our member sides in action in a competitive fixture this coming Saturday. Uh, who is it? It is drum roll, please. Uh, it is uh, Plymouth Parkway uh, in the third round of the FA Vars. They host uh, Fareham. Uh, and the winners of that this Saturday, which obviously we all hope is going to be Parkway will then uh, host Clevedon in the fourth round uh, on the 17th. And on the same day of the 17th, Bridgewater, an all-tour station Western League fixture, Bridgewater hosts Tavistock. So, which I believe, hopefully, fingers crossed, Ian, that we're, uh, we'll both be there covering it. Yeah, we certainly hope so. And um, more details will be released of, of that um, commentary uh, over the over the coming week. Uh, obviously those fixtures will not be played with spectators in the ground. So it's important that we're able to bring supporters as much live action as possible. We are blessed, really, that um, uh, that our clubs have got such excellent Twitter feeds. So that's certainly going to be one way of keeping up to date with those uh, with those fixtures. Um, but also if we're able to provide a bit of online commentary, as we do with the Les Phillips Cup final every season, uh, then uh, we will be releasing details um, over the coming days of that. But um, I think we should all look to start off with by focusing on that game, the Plymouth Parkway game um, on the uh, on the 10th. We know that Plymouth Parkway have excellent media coverage, let alone social media coverage. So certainly the go-to place for that, listeners, will be the the uh, the social media feed for Plymouth Parkway, particularly their um, uh, their Twitter feed. I will be staying glued to that, and hopefully we'll be seeing um, um, a victory for them and and progressing through to take on Clevedon in what will be a fantastic game. I'm sure. I mean, Clevedon finished um, what was the curtailed season um, incredibly well. So uh, you know, it's going to be no easy ride for Parkway should they get there. But they've got to get through Fareham first, and that's um, that's the key. But they have started their preparation haven't they Jim we have seen evidence of of a very competitive um, derby match against Buckland that's right yeah midweek they uh, entertained Buckland and it was uh, you know, I was keeping up with it on Twitter but every time I looked there was another goal and it finished uh, 4-4 in the end so I'm sure they're happy to be scoring but obviously they would have wanted to try and keep a clean sheet but 4-4 and if fans were allowed in there that would have been a Great game to go and watch to uh, to warm yourself back up to watching some some football. But as you said just a minute ago, no fans are allowed in at, at present. So yeah, we'd be quite fortunate to get in to go and watch down at Bridgewater and cover for that game. But yeah, going back to Parkway four four, what a way to return that is! It's uh, proper entertainment. Yeah, well, we're going to have some proper um, football to talk about then on next week's. Uh, podcast win lose or draw but from james and myself um you've been listening to the tool station western league podcast <laughs>